The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeff Fishman. Uh, who's the president of JSF Financial. Uh, welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate you having me on. Sure. Let's just start with a little bit of your background uh, and kind of how you've gotten to where you are and why you created JSF Financial. Okay, sure. Well, I, I, I jokingly refer to myself as a recovering lawyer. And uh, I actually, I, while I grew up in Los Angeles, I went to college and law school in New York. My background in law school at Cardozo School of Law was in tax and estate planning. And uh, my father, who has uh, practiced in the insurance industry for over 40 years, had always tried to point me in the direction of the financial services industry. And uh, so I practiced law for a year. I ended up taking classes at UCLA at night through the financial planning program, where I received a certificate in financial planning. And back in 95, uh, I started JSF Financial to, uh, to really build a fee-based financial planning practice uh, for clients here in Southern California. So what kind of clients, not naming them, but just what kind of clients do you tend to serve? It, uh, I, I think what best sort of describes our practice is if I sort of reference the personnel in the office. So I have um, one of my younger brothers, my brother Mordechai, who uh, had worked with Smith Barney for a number of years uh, in New York City. He joined the practice about six years ago, and he works with a lot of what I'll call our younger sort of entertainment-type clients, which pertains to a lot of not so much many people in front of the camera, more people who create shows, who write for shows, or produce or direct, you know, TV or movies. Um, so he deals with a lot of people on that side. I have another associate planner who works with me named Zev. He works with a lot of, I'll, I'll say, more of our sort of middle-aged uh, professional clients, a lot, of, uh, a lot of executives at studios, um, also people who, who are, let's say, you know, lawyers, partners in firms, doctors, etc., and then I have a gentleman named Don Peck who works with me as well. He's been with me now for almost three years. Don's older brother was a gentleman named Gregory Peck. And, um, and Don, so Don's probably the senior member of the firm, with, oh, I should say without question is a senior member of the firm. And he tends to work with a lot of our sort of older senior clients. Um, I'm budgeting and cash flow and projections and uh, you know, just trying to... to give these people the, the support and the guidance they need and often what is a challenging time for people when they reach an elderly stage and their partner in life is no longer around to help them. And uh, so that, that, I think that sort of describes sort of the type of people we work with. And I oversee the firm. I, I deal with a lot of these people as well. And we sort of run the gamut between these, these three areas of practice. So it, it's mostly a Hollywood clientele is what you're saying, there's either in front of the camera of, or behind the camera. Right, and the fact is being based in Los Angeles uh, on Wilshire Boulevard, inevitably you're going to have a lot of Hollywood-type clients. So we're going to get into a lot of detail about this, but overall, 
what is it that middle America, <clears throat> people who are not Hollywood stars either before, in front or behind the camera, are there in general some things that people can learn from you know people that would would normally be kind of out of reach for the average American? Right. It, it, it's it's the the thing which people don't realize when you're watching someone on television or in the movies is they almost you know they're looked upon with much adoration. Uh, they're often people's heroes, and uh, it's just sort of the presumption that financially they're, they're, they're in the limelight, they're doing great, and they have nothing to worry about. And the fact is, is the people that you often see in these roles or people who create television shows or movies often have as great, if not bigger, problems than most people out there. And the reason being is because their income can be so variable and it could really range from feast to famine in any given year. And it's which, hard to predict as to which, it's, whether it's going to be feast or famine, right? Exactly. So that you could all of a sudden be on a television show and be earning a whole lot of money and having a great year economically, and all of a sudden you find out the next year the show is canceled, you don't have another show to go on, and now next thing you know is you really have virtually no income for the next year, hoping that you're going to then land on a different show. And so not only do you have to plan well when you're, when you're working and obviously earning money, but more than that, you have to plan even better for the eventuality that, you know what, I could very well be out of work not just for a year or two years or three years until I actually find my next opportunity. So this is something that average people can relate to because they're insecure in their jobs these days in a major way. Right. Um, and so, okay, if you have a client in that situation, they're doing very well, but uh, at any moment, the you know floor could drop out from under them, and they could not have a job. How do you do cash flow and budgeting projections in that kind of situation? Well, with anybody who's a client of our firm, um, no matter which no matter which sort of description they fall in, into it is paramount for us to be able to stress uh, in their lives that they have control not only of their budget but they have ample reserves set aside to meet to meet the unexpected in life. And to use the baseball analogy, I always tell people to hit the fastball is fairly easy. If you're, if you're a professional baseball player, you can hit a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. The question is, can you hit the curveball? And in life, the curveball is not only inevitable, it happens for everybody, and you have to be able and be prepared for the unexpected. And what does that mean? That means having a significant amount set aside in the emergency savings, having substantial cash reserves, having liquidity, whether it be you know, set aside in, from your house, from that you can access within your pension plan. You have to be able to know where you can turn if, if circumstances suddenly change quickly, and you've got to sort of have a, a roadmap for yourself. Okay, this is the first step, the second step, the third step, so that you don't have to panic and all of a sudden do something which ultimately could be deemed to be financially self-destructive. And how about the psychological element of that, of kind of the feast and famine syndrome. is When you're in the feast, do people not want to think about the famine and, and not save up for it because everything looks like it's going so well? T typically, it's, it, it's a type of a situation, Jordan, where if someone is in a feast, then they never want to think back about the hard times unless they were severely impacted by the hard times. And we often hear the reference to people who have a depression mentality. Yeah. And the depression mentality... Could actually exist whether it be with grandparents or people from different generations, and I think it's really describing people who've been through a tough time who are very mindful of their spending patterns and their money. 
And so you have people that if they go ahead and they taste success, and they've been through really difficult periods throughout their life economically, that they're going to go ahead and they're going to be far more cautious. Alternatively, you have other people that all of a sudden they come into money, sudden wealth syndrome, where all they want to do is be able to enjoy things, which they've never had the opportunity to enjoy. And the challenge there is they don't want to hear the message that this can't continue. And with people like that, you're not going to change them the first time around, where you're going to sometimes see them maybe taking about face, is where all of a sudden they have gone ahead, they've made money, they've not made money, so they've been through good times, bad times. Now they start making money again, and in that situation they say, okay, this time I don't want to blow it again. I want to make sure, unlike last time, that I set aside enough money to take care of myself here for a long time. Do you deal with athletes as well? A few. So, I mean, they're the ultimate ones who come from nothing in many cases, have huge money, then get an injury or, you know, aren't any good anymore. Right. Uh, but, I mean, they're known for blowing money and thinking the good times are going to last forever. Is that kind of an extreme case of what happens in Hollywood? Yes and no. You know, a- a- athletes are definitely a challenge, but it's interesting. If you look at the average professional career of, a pro a- of an athlete, depending whether it be the NFL or the MLB or NHL, most and, and, and some are shorter or longer, but most are three years, maybe four years or five years, and then there's pensions that they qualify for with, with, within the players' organization and whatever else. The biggest challenge for me, as far as the athletic side, is not pro athletes, but it's actually Olympic athletes. And the reason why is because with Olympic athletes, they train for so long and so hard to accomplish one goal or two goals, which literally, as everybody knows, takes maybe a couple minutes at most, and some kind of a competition or a race or whatever else, who knows what the, what the outcome of, of that event is going to be? And then if it goes well and if they're deemed to be all of a sudden a hero, that fame is really, really, sh- really, really, really uh, spread over a short period of time. And so where people are in a position there that if you want to capitalize on, on it, they have to move and move fast um, because it's really fleeting. A typical professional athlete, from what I've seen, has a much bigger window and taking it to an a, a actor or actress or producer in Hollywood, um, there's a lot of people who've been what we call one-show wonders or one-hit wonders. But they're on a show for a couple of years, it's canceled, and then they never have anything uh, come up again of any value. So how can the average person relate to this situation? Because they're not usually, you know, kind of flash of, of, of right. glory and then it's gone for them. You know, how can the, what can the average person take from what you've just been talking about here? I, I think for the average person, what you have to really step back and just think about and realize is that you have to plan for the unexpected in life. And whether something really good happens, whether something really bad happens, whether you end up having what we call sort of a sudden wealth syndrome, which doesn't necessarily need to be something that happens from work, there's, as we know, there's a massive transfer of wealth vis-a-vis inheritances uh, that people are going to be receiving over the next couple decades as the older generation dies off. When you receive a lump sum of money like that, the big challenge for people is, well, what do you do? And a temptation always is, I want a bigger house, I want to take this vacation, I want to do certain things that I have not been able to do. And at the end of the day, it's really all about discipline and putting yourself in a position that no matter what happens, that you have ample reserves set up to really to be ready for the unexpected. Now, part of what you offer that you say is unique is what you call the transition team. Right. Uh, what are some of the transitions that you help people with? The biggest transition 
issue right now, as you can probably imagine, is the loss of jobs that people are experiencing uh, throughout the country. And transition planning is a very broad term because transition planning relates to and addresses a myriad of issues. So that in our office, when someone comes in and they will say, Jeff, I've been laid off. Well, that's just a starting point of a conversation where then you have to be able to identify, address, and deal with so many different issues relating to this layoff and how it impacts them. Meaning you've got to be aware of all the severance issues. Another question that's going to arise is, is it part of a standard layoff or is this person being discriminated against for any reason? You have to be able to talk about health insurance issues, which obviously are so tricky right now for so many different people, and whether or not to make a COBRA election and how long you have to make that COBRA election. You have to be able to address pension issues and rollover issues, and then what might even deal with issues like mortgage financing or debt issues or having expansive credit. Um, So what we found here in the office is being able to bring somebody in in that situation, the most important thing they need to do is to try to stay calm. They cannot panic. They have to sit there and say, okay, given the fact that the job that I've had for however many years is no longer going to continue, I want to be in a position now to be able to make good decisions about my next step. And we've frequently seen that if people take the time to sort of sort this out and stay level-headed, oftentimes while it looks like such a calamity at that moment, ultimately could end up being the single greatest opportunity to take them to far greater heights down the road. Very good. Okay, we're going to go to a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jeff Fishman, who's the president of JSF Financial, uh, based in Los Angeles. Uh, He deals with lots of Hollywood stars, but there's a lot of things you can learn from uh, how he's dealing with these people as well. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Want to talk about both professional and amateur sports? It's time to talk with someone who has experience on the field. You'll get the player's perspective and a chance to share your own. 
It's the next Icon Radio Show. Featuring host Fred Barnett, formerly with the Philadelphia Eagles and Miami Dolphins. We'll talk about current events and situations surrounding the pro and amateur sports world. You'll learn about the next icons on the next Icon Radio Show with Fred Barnett. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeff Fishman, whose firm, financial planning firm, JSF Financial, is in California and Los Angeles area. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Thanks, Jordan. Okay, we're talking about the transition team. Let's take these things one at a time. Uh, you were talking about job loss. Um, do, do some people kind of come in uh, after this has happened completely shocked, or, or they usually had some warning this was coming? And kind of how do you deal with it psychologically as well as financially? Well, psychologically, the thing which is most important, again, is for people to be able to realize that in the event of job loss, it doesn't necessarily mean that suddenly the, the world is over or that your financial world is over. And, 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 and that's, I think, a really important, a really important mindset that people adopt. Um, and most people who are laid off typically have some notion ahead of time that, change, that changes ahead, for, whether it be for them or their firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and ha- ha- how do you know that? Well, let's face it. If a, if a firm or a company is in a situation where they've cut salaries across the board by 20%, if they've furloughed employees, let's say, a year ago, if benefits have been slashed, you know they're in an, economic, in an economically difficult time. So most people in that situation know they're working for a company or for a business that it m- might be in a tenuous position, so typically what I found is that people who do lose their job, it's sort of like all of a sudden it's sort of like confirmation of what they had suspected, and sometimes it's actually even a relief because people are so concerned going in about what could happen, and all of a sudden when the event actually unfolds, it's like, okay, now I can move on. So a lot of people, again, in the country, we have 10% unemployment, uh, who are kind of go- have had that happen to them. Should they get out into the job market right away? Because some people say the longer you wait, the harder it is to get a new job. So when you mean get out of the job market, what do you mean, Jordan? You mean should they go ahead and jump on the first job that comes up? Or? Well, go out and really start searching for a job. Aggressive. Some people take time off right. um, and say, I want to cool out before I start looking. Or should they get mobilized and start looking right away? What is the best, both psychologically and financially, to right. handle? Well, I, I think number one is everyone always has to be aware of the, the timing surrounding a job loss, meaning that today we're looking at you know the middle of December. And if someone is suddenly laid off here in December, it's very hard to go out and to really look for a job opportunity um, and start banging on doors in December, typically because employers, they're either away they're, 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 they're dealing with all their own year-end issues. Very few would be in the hiring mode. So in a time like this, I would, I would tell 
anyone who's looking at a, a recent job loss, take the time to really study the demographic trends and business trends in the area that you live in or that you may consider living in down the road. Meaning, find out about the companies in the area. Find out who's doing well, who's not doing well. Who may be hiring, who may not be hiring. It might even be worth finding out where you can potentially volunteer over the holidays simply to maybe meet other people who would be volunteering there as well just to start networking. You can always start networking at any moment, but if you've got one shot to go into a company or into an office, you don't typically want to go ahead and use that shot at this time of year. So is this something that you're doing with your clients as well? You kind of help them with outplacement uh, and kind of getting them going for looking for their new jobs? We actually will go ahead and we'll talk about what might be best suited to what, they're, what they ultimately want, might want to do down the road professionally and personally. I've seen a growing trend of uh, entrepreneurialism, which has been cropping up throughout, throughout the economy, where people at different stages are saying, you know what, I've always wanted to go ahead and pursue this business or this opportunity. I've never been able to do so. Now I'm out of work. I have some unemployment or I have a severance package. I want to do this now. And that's something which I've seen more and more here over, over the last several months. And has it been working? Are people who have been in a corporate job psychologically and financially ready to become an entrepreneur and run their own business? Well, I think what it does is it sort of pushes them in that direction where they don't have a choice. And I've seen people actually adapt better than, you, than, than you'd probably think, Jordan, where you have people who, let's say you have someone who's been in the, the music industry or in the record business, and as everybody knows, that industry has been decimated with the uh, technological revolution throughout the music industry, and where all of a sudden you'll go ahead and you'll see somebody who will say, you know what, I worked for a big record label for years, I was a senior vice president, I'm now out of work, I have this entrepreneurial idea related to certain technology in the industry, or maybe in a different direction that we can go, and gone off and started maybe with one of their other former co-workers, and who are now actually pretty successful. Great. One of the other big transitions you talk about is divorce, um, and uh, you probably, I don't know if you deal with some high-profile divorces, but, you know, it's not a pleasant situation, but how can people handle that uh, the best possible way, both, again, psychologically and financially? Right. Well, his, historically, one, one statistic, statistic that I'd always heard, Jordan, was that the single greatest cause of divorce was actually not infidelity, what most people might think, but rather it's financial reasons. And for years we've had different clients who we've worked with where we've been able to witness firsthand where, let's say, the husband and wife were on completely different pages relating to their personal finances, meaning you might have one spouse who's a complete spender and the other spouse who's a complete saver. And when you're in our chair and doing what we do as a planner, the role of, of, that we have to go ahead and occupy is one to sort of mitigate between the two parties and, 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 and not mitigate, mediate between the two parties to help them reach a position where they're both comfortable, where they're both saving and at the same time in, enjoying life. What I found here recently is that as we've gone through this very, very challenging, difficult, maybe unprecedented economic times, has been that actually certain people have actually said, you know what, rather than getting divorced or moving on or looking for greener pastures, we can't afford to do that. We can't afford to have two households. And instead what we're going to do is we're going to try to make it work. We're going we're to do what we can to make it work. We're going to come together. And what I've actually seen recently is potentially the, 
economic, uh, the economic challenges have turned into a sort of unifying moment for certain families and certain couples. How about a very high-profile case? I mean, obviously what we're, we're all talking about today is Tiger Woods and, and all of that. Can that something like that be salvaged when there is infidelity and so much money at stake? Um, I, unfortunately, I think a situation like that, which receives so much attention, at the end of the day, all it becomes is a business transaction. Because I think when you're talking about infidelity at that level, Jordan, where it seems like another woman comes to the surface every day with a claim that she had a relationship with Tiger Woods, that the spouse in that situation unless they can get through counseling, which I hope to God they can, not only for their benefit, but also for the sake of the kids. But if they can't, which, again, I, I don't hold out much hope that they will be able to, to settle this uh, in a favorable fashion, that it really becomes more of a business transaction just settling what she may be owed, deserve, um, or want to negotiate for with him and, 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 and the estate. Um, for not only their marriage, but also for the benefit of the kids. So again, taking this kind of high-profile case down to the average American, if there's been a case of infidelity or something like that, are things usually salvageable or or not? And and does it 50-50, or how does the financial breakup, as you call it, a business transaction, work in a case like that? um, Really, I think it's a completely subjective situation. And it's, it's very, very hard to generalize. In a, in, a, in a situation of discord um, in, in, in any single family, whether or not it's salvageable or whether or not it's something for people to pursue. Again, where there's young children, um, I always urge people to try to go ahead and to do their best to, to work together and try to pull together, not only for their own benefit, but also for the benefit of the kids. Um, look, people need to, to, be, to be at least of the same mind that they want to somehow work together to make to make to make things work between them and and again for their family. Um, the trend I've seen in this economic time again is the fact that I think more people have sort of worked towards some kind of reconciliation as opposed to divorce simply because of the you know the economic challenges that if they don't want to go ahead and pay for uh, for two households, so nor nor can they afford to pay for two households. But let's face it. In times when some, when you have a, a spouse who's been at work for years, their identity is often tied to their job and to their business and to their colleagues and everything else. And suddenly they're out of work, and suddenly they're home. Maybe both spouses are home where they hadn't been at home in that situation for years, and they're facing a lot of economic challenges. I don't think any of us can deny the stress it puts on a relationship. And from my position, whenever somebody comes to me and says, "I'm unhappy, my marriage has issues, whatever else." I always encourage them to work on it, to seek counseling, to do whatever they can, um, because what I've frequently seen, it's so much better long run if they can somehow work it out than being apart. Would you like to advise Tiger Woods in the situation right now? I would want to have be as far away from that Tiger Woods situation <laughs> as I possibly could be. <laughs> or would you want to be on the wife's side, I guess? Uh, well... I mean, lawyers must be circling around this one as seeing an absolute bounty here, right? Yeah, well, well Gloria Allred uh, is, in a, is in our same office <laughs> building here. Oh, is that right? Yep. So we, uh, we're, we, 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 are in this, we occupy the same office building. She's uh, a few floors away from us. And uh, just watching the media trucks and, <laughs> and the hordes and the paparazzi who have been hounding the whole office building, the area, for the last week or two, 
Yeah, I, 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 I want to be as far away from this as I possibly can. Have you had situations like that with clients where they're very high profile and lots of media attention? And how do you deal with that? Um, well, typically in that situation, Jordan, you, 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 have, to, you have to hire a, a publicist. Um, a, a publicist in a situation like that is imperative for so many different reasons. More than any, anything itself is just to manage the media attention. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, there's constantly a search for comments and for clarification and for facts and details, especially in today's day and age where people are not only accustomed to but want and demand facts and data immediately. And the proliferation, obviously, of the Internet has just spawned this, this, instant, this, instant, media, this instant media frenzy. Yeah. Um, from, my, from my perspective... I think you need to make sure if you are high, in a high-profile situation that you have a good public relations firm person uh, to really help you navigate through those very challenging waters. On the other side of transition, we talked about divorce. Uh, how about marriage? When you're getting married in the first place, do you help people do prenups? Is that a good idea? And what are some of the things people should be thinking about as they're about to get married? Right. Well, prenuptial agreements, especially, uh, probably most listeners out there can, can understand, is much more popular in a place like Southern California than in other parts of the country. One reason is not just because you have people who might be deemed to be more affluent, but you also have this phenomenon in Southern California where people will end up being married for often more than one time, two times, three times, whatever it is. And um, if just, just imagine, if you're Johnny Carson... And having gone to Jordan, how many times was he married? Was it seven? I think it was seven. Yes, right, seven times that he that he that he, he walked to the altar. Well, if each one of those spouses is entitled to half of your net worth, well, at the end of the day, well, you know, half a zero is zero. <laughs> but but clearly, you're in a position that there's not much left. So, especially I see in second marriages, I often see it also not you know people thinking like. Oh, it's, you know, what are you thinking going into the marriage? But it's a situation where, let's say, kids are involved, where you have a spouse who has kids from a first marriage is now getting married a second time. It's not just to protect them, but it's also to protect the kids as well. In that situation, I think a prenup often makes sense more than anything just to lay the groundwork for an understanding between the two parties. Okay, we're going to go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jeff Fishman, who's president of JSF Financial, based in Los Angeles. Uh, he does financial planning for the stars, but has lots of ideas that can help you as well. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in 
both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Are you ready to learn all about NASCAR from an insider's perspective? Join Eddie DeHaan every week for the NASCAR Insider. It's an interactive look at the world of NASCAR from the drivers to the crew chiefs. You'll hear from top flight NASCAR guests that the other shows only wish they could have. Hear about last week's recap, this week's news, and more. Call in to interact with Eddie and his guests every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, exclusively on the Power of Motorsports channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeff Fishman, uh, who is the president of JSF Financial, a financial planning firm uh, dealing mostly with Hollywood types uh, in the Los Angeles area. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Thanks, Jordan. Great to be here again. So we've talked about marriage, we've talked about divorce, uh, we've talked about job loss. Uh, how about the birth of a child? Uh, and when that's coming, what are some of the financial steps people should take if that's coming? Well, a, a birth of a child is, is one of those events in a people's lives that we call a game changer. And a game changer from a perspective that all of a sudden, so many things that you're able to do personally, so many things that you might have been able to do recreationally, um, so many responsibilities that you maybe never had to think about suddenly come to the forefront, and it really is a life-changing event. In what respect, I think anyone who's had a child or children knows that your life changes just from a perspective of suddenly dealing with all the household issues, dealing with sleepless nights and trying to navigate through, uh, through, through all the, you know, the, the challenges that a, a child will face as a baby or an infant and growing up. Um, but on a personal level, it deals with obviously estate planning. It deals with insurance issues. Suddenly you're thinking about college, education, all those things where, again, a new responsibility that has never been on your shoulders suddenly, suddenly surfaces and people ask themselves, okay, now I want to take care of this person who's depending on me uh, to, to be financially secure. So what do you do with somebody who has a child on the way? What are some of the specific financial planning steps you help them take? When you have a child on the way, the first thing I tell people to think about is just one of if something, God forbid, happened to, let's say, the primary breadwinner in the relationship, that now all of a sudden they are responsible for a, for, for a person, may not be born yet, 
but it's still responsible for a person who will be born here sooner than later. And I encourage people to start reviewing their life insurance. What do you have through work? What do you have personally? God forbid if something happened here again to a primary breadwinner, the last thing you want is this child to be in a situation where they can't, they, you know, there's no one that could afford to take care of them. Do you That's find the, most people don't have enough insurance, life insurance? Most people do not have enough life insurance. Uh, my dad, who I, I mentioned at the beginning of the program, has been in the insurance program for an uh, insurance industry for over 40 years, has for a very long time had a saying, which has been that he's never met a widow who ever complained that she had too much life insurance. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that sort of sums up the fact that, yeah, many people are underinsured. Um, you never really think about it much until all of a sudden when, God forbid, tragedy strikes. And then you think about not just trying to pay down debt like a mortgage, which certainly helps significantly, but all the other responsibilities that exist not only today, but now you need to get you through for the next, it could be 20 years, 30 years, even longer. And while, sure, people can work and, and circumstances evolve, but that security is just enormously important to someone who's suddenly, uh, who's suddenly in a position of such tremendous insecurity and frailty. So what kind of ratio of uh, annual gross income to insurance should you have? I mean, some people talk about seven times your annual I, income. I think or? it's a rough rule of thumb. We typically tell people seven to eight times. But I think it also depends on where they are in life, Jordan meaning that if somebody is in a position where they have, let's say, three kids, and they're heading to what I'll call sort of the, 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 the peak dependency years, which is going through high school and college um, until they're hopefully out of the house and on their own, that might be a period of time where you actually need to have some more coverage. Um, if you're later on in life, obviously you need less coverage because a lot of those expenses have obviously been incurred, um, and hopefully, again, kids are on their own. If you're early on in life or early on in your career, uh, and you don't have kids, clearly you don't need as much, only because, you, you know, you, again, you have a different dependency factor. But seven or eight times has often been a rough rule of thumb that people have mentioned, but I think it's much more subjective than that. As far as cash value versus term insurance, what kind of mix do you rec- normally recommend? I, 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 I'm a big advocate of buying term insurance, spending the money to go ahead and to provide the protection that you need uh, at the most affordable possible rate, and to then look at other, other avenues and vehicles for saving, including pension plans, 529 for plans for kids, or, or other similar type of savings vehicles, and only if you have what I'll call a very long-term permanent need for insurance, which is typically either estate planning or business or, or, or driven by some kind of business relationship, that's really the only time you really look at permanent life insurance. Uh, let's move to the investment field a little bit, since you say buy term and invest the difference as far as investing. One of the areas that you have that's specifically unusual to you is you uh, run a distressed debt hedge fund. Is that correct? Um, I don't run the fund. I have two partners who actually manage, the, who, are, who are the portfolio managers in the fund. But you but, think it's a good idea anyway. You might not run it, but you're... Yeah, it, I, and I think, let me give you some background, Jordan, as to why I started the fund. And I think maybe it'll help maybe illuminate why I think, diver- you know, why, why is people looking at it themselves, why diversification is so important. So basically, I, I decided to team up with these two gentlemen who became my partners and, again, the portfolio managers of a distressed debt fund called ALJ Capital Management. And... 
My two partners are former bankruptcy lawyers. Again, we jokingly refer to ourselves all as recovering lawyers. They had practiced for a number of years. They then went to work for a um, what's called a sell side, a sell side firm, uh, Imperial Capital here in Beverly Hills, California. And then we started our fund just over six years ago. And the reason why I started the fund was because I felt it was important to have something internally within the firm that would do well in a really challenging and poor economic time, similar to the one we're facing. Meaning I wanted to have something that would zig if everything else zagged. And a distressed debt hedge fund like our own concentrates and focuses on opportunities that that are presented within the bond market for companies that are in bankruptcy. Meaning that if you're in bankruptcy, you have bonds that a company had outstanding, which are now trading at pennies on a dollar. They're in liquidation or they're in reorganization. The managers of the fund will evaluate the opportunities and see whether it's a good situation to invest. And these type of investments are not correlated to the general investment markets, meaning whether the stock market goes up or down, whether the bond market goes up or down, whether real estate goes up or down, shouldn't necessarily impact the value of the portfolio. And as a result, it's something which, for me, provides diversification within the firm as well as for some of our clients as an investment opportunity that shouldn't be affected by everything else that's going on. So, in fact, we've had a very good chance to test distressed debt. as the most <laughs> debt implosion we've ever had here. Right. Uh, did, in fact, the fund zig when the economy zagged? Yeah. So what happened was last year, as we like to say, unfortunately, there was really nowhere to hide where if you look at the performance of the markets last year, unless you were in government bonds or unless you were in CDs of a bank that didn't fail, which, you know, there weren't that many of those, that if you were in any other kind of investment vehicle, including bonds or real estate or anything else, everything fell in value. The only question is to what extent. Our fund last year fell about 15%, one five. So while we weren't happy with, with, with how it fell last year, at the same time we recognized that it fell over something called mark-to-market issues. And this year, it's actually turned around quite significantly. And our institutional fund, I believe, is up over 20% now for this year so far, so that every investor that we have, uh, as of right now in the fund, everybody is not only positive uh, since inception, but also, um, also in a situation where they realize really good returns here year-to-date. One, one thing people would worry about in this particular field uh, is what happened with General Motors is the bondholders basically uh, did not get back the money they expected in liquidation proceeding when uh, the government gave them bailout money, that the unions and the, the government went ahead of bondholders. Right. Is that a, a precedent that worries you at all? Clearly, there, what happened in GM was troubling for a lot of bondholders because it almost seemed like they just, that the courts decided to, in, in, in effect, rewrite what has been long-established bankruptcy law, whereby the, the bondholders were effectively wiped out in a situation where bondholders, like you say, Jordan, would typically have preference. So it certainly provides a reason for, 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 for pause and for caution. Uh, it's also an area where I will caution anybody out there, this is not an investment for individuals, uh, on, on their own, who don't understand this area or who haven't had a lot of experience. It is a situation where, as you go through the bankruptcy cycle, you, you never know how a judge is going to rule. You never know what's going to ultimately be left in a, a bankruptcy estate. And as a result, something as 
exceptional as the GM case, you know what? It could happen. We've seen it happen. It could happen again. And this is why I have to be really careful before venturing into an investment in this area. Now, the financial service reform bill that's gone through the House has a provision, a so-called 20% haircut provision, where uh, bondholders would have to take a 20% hit uh, in the case of uh, liquidation or something like that. It, that would almost institutionalize what happened with GM. Do you think that might happen, and how would that affect the distressed debt market? You know what, Jordan? I, 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 I can't comment. I don't, I don't know enough about, about, about the legislation to be able to tell you specifically. Um, it's a type of a situation that I think if you look at most of the liquidations that are out there, including some which have been quite, um, and, and again, General Motors was not a liquidation. General Motors would end up being a restructuring, as you know. Uh, but in most of the liquidations, there's a certain amount of cash in the bankruptcy estate. And then the only question is, is that how much of that cash is going to ultimately be distributed in other assets which are liquidated to the bondholders? If there's some kind of a mandatory, some kind of a mandatory uh, percentage off the top, which ends up then having to go to the government or some kind of a regulatory agency, from my perspective, all that does is just reduce the recovery, and as a result, would reduce the, the price of the bonds in the market. Yep. Okay, we're going to go to a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jeff Fishman, whose firm is JSF Financial, based in Los Angeles. Uh, we've covered a lot of interesting ground, and we have uh, one more break to go. We'll be back after this. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Are you destined to be an everyday change agent in your organization, your relationships, your community? Learn how to become one when you tune in to The Change Agent on the Voice America Variety Channel. Justin A. Flunder, the chief change agent leader of the Flundonian Group, will help you examine every aspect of your personal and professional life. By observing your own thoughts, words, and actions, you will become the everyday leader that you are meant to be. The Change Agent airs live Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeff Fishman, who's the president of JSF Financial, a financial planning firm mostly with Hollywood clients uh, in Los Angeles. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks again for having me. We want to talk a little bit more about the distressed debt uh, hedge fund. Um, are there ways that individuals, maybe not buying individual debt themselves, but are there some mutual funds or other things uh, that people can uh, you know, play this trend, and, and what would be the advantage of doing so? Right. Well, like I said in, in the prior segment, I think it's really important to note that for individuals who want to invest in this area, it's really treacherous and it really creates, it, it requires such skill and experience with, 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 within the bankruptcy process that I, I, that I urge everybody to not even, be, not even begin to consider to go ahead and invest their own funds in these types of securities. There are mutual funds, however, who do have some form of specialization or experience within this area, and as a result, if you're looking for exposure within not only the distressed debt, but they also call it the event-driven asset class, then there are certainly some funds which then provide you with a professional manager in this area. It's actively traded. It'll have daily liquidity, um, which is probably the best way to access this type of an asset class. I want to get a more overall view from you about where things stand with the economy now. Um, and uh, we've got a lot of big changes happening. We've got things going with health care, uh, tax changes coming next year if the uh, Bush tax cuts expire. Uh, Federal Reserve has been keeping interest rates very, very low. What, give us kind of an overall view of where you see things uh, as we move into 2010. The way, the way I perceive things right now is I think it's really hard to look at the economy. You know people try to do so. On a macro, from a macroeconomic perspective, and I think it's really important that as people who are listening to the show recognize that you really have to look at it from a microeconomic perspective. Meaning, what's happening in Florida is very different than what's happening in Texas, and what's happening in Los Angeles is different than what's happening in San Francisco and, and the Silicon Valley, um, and what's happening in New York is different than what's happening in Denver. And the challenge is that you, everyone knows that the manufacturing part of the country, primarily uh, in states like Michigan, um, Pennsylvania, and other states with, throughout the Midwest, clearly the manufacturing sector has been hit the hardest. And one of the big questions that people ask me all the time is, when are those jobs coming back? And I think what a lot of people realize is, who knows if they're ever coming back, and how do you retrain, and how do you retrench, and how do you figure out how to move forward? Um, real estate, which has been so hit so hard in certain parts of the country, including Arizona and Nevada and Florida, and again here in Southern California, but again you go to places like in Texas, like in 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 Dallas or in Austin, or if you go up to Denver or other places in Colorado, you see a very different landscape. And so, what I think you need to look at right now is that yeah, the economy on a whole, from a macroeconomic perspective has a lot of challenges. Everyone's worried about the commercial real estate cycle. Everyone's worried about unemployment and where it stands here going forward and what will potentially turn unemployment to move in a, a, a different direction. But I think, practically speaking, for most people who are out there, you don't have to worry about the national picture as much as how it impacts you and, and the area that you live in. And depending on your area and the region, you'll have a very, you could have a very different outlook 
uh, based upon the uh, the local business activity. What do you see as some of the biggest opportunities uh, to make money uh, going forward here with where the economy is now? Well, I I believe that if you look in the area of high technology or in high tech, that's an area where I think you're going to continue to see strong growth here for the next several years. I um, I had the opportunity to be in the Bay Area, Northern California last week for some client meetings. And the, the, the vibe in the Bay Area was very different. As you still have many startups, you have many companies looking at ways to go ahead and to increase efficiency, to enhance efficiency uh, through, different, through different technologies or programs, software. And um, I think for anyone who has the interest or the tendency to pursue something in that area, there's a lot of opportunities going forward. Um, so I, I think that's an area which should do very well. Clearly, everyone knows there's opportunities within reorganization work. There's, uh, as far as you know, bankruptcies as part of um, as part of the real estate area, and, and and looking at situations at foreclosures and how you could potentially access those and and, and maybe use those to your advantage long term. Um, unfortunately, a time of calamity is also a time of opportunity for people. And uh, at a time like this, I think people have to more than more than ever think outside the box, look at where the opportunities are, and try to pursue them. And uh, I do know there are certainly opportunities um, throughout the economy. They're just it's they're typically not found though in the traditional venues. So that's on the opportunity side, and then on the danger side, what are some of the big dangers you see for people going forward in the current climate? The fact is the debt cycle. And a time like this is something that people have to really, really, really be careful of. Meaning, if you have too much debt on your house, if you have too much credit card debt, if all of a sudden things go awry, you're going to end up in big trouble. So my words of caution to anybody out there today is that if you are in a position where you have too much debt, or if you know you have too much debt fundamentally, you have to do whatever you can to start reducing that debt. The key to long-term security as you get older, as you approach retirement, is to be in a situation where you have virtually no debt and you have assets. If you have assets, you have virtually no debt, then you're in a situation of then just being able to discern, okay, how much income do I have coming in every month? I have no debt service. Now this is what I can do on, on, on a monthly basis for myself, for my family, or, or, or whatever else. The fact is, is that if you do have too much debt, and this is where we saw, I think, the whole problem that the economy stemmed from, which look at the subprime crisis, look at the mortgage crisis, is that people were unfortunately allowed to go ahead and take debt upon themselves vis-a-vis mortgage debt that they should have never, ever been exposed to. And as a result, it just created this unfortunate, vicious cycle. And uh, so my, 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 my advice right now is to people is, again, Look at your balance sheet, look at your assets and liabilities, and if you think you might be precarious at all here going forward financially, do whatever you can to reduce your debt. What do you expect for tax policy in the next year or so? Do you think the, uh, the Bush uh, tax cuts, the capital gains and income are going to be let to expire, and how will that affect uh, people's planning going forward? Well, Jordan, as you know, they, they, they are set to expire. They're, 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 they sunset after 2010, so the capital gains rates starting in 2011 inherently are going to increase. The flip side to that is so many people suffered losses in the stock market or throughout the financial markets over the last several years, last couple of years, that they have these large carry-forward tax losses so that they can actually offset any future capital gains for a number of years so that 
an increase in capital gains rate is really not going to have any kind of a, a direct impact. Um, that, that being said, I think there's a lot of stealth taxes which, went in, which continue to impact people during the Bush presidency and will probably continue to impact people here through the Obama presidency. The one which is most apparent to us in our position is the AMT, which is the alternative minimum tax. It's uh, ensnaring more and more people on, on an annual basis. And what it, it really, the impact it really has is that people who think they have the benefit of the deductions like mortgage interest suddenly find out that they actually can't take advantage of the mortgage interest deduction. Why? Because they're paying a flat tax because they fall into the AMT. Very good. We've covered a lot of grants, but very interesting. Just give people uh, a way to contact you, maybe your website and a phone number. Sure. Our, 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 our website is www.jsffinancial.com. And uh, feel free to go on our website. It has our information, and you can learn more about our firm. And, uh, again, we have different planners in the office who deal with different issues. And uh, feel free to go ahead and try to reach out to us, and we'd be happy to help if, if, if possible. Terrific. Well, thanks so much, Jeff. It's been fascinating. We've got a good insight into how life is at the top, I guess you might say, and how it's applies to average, everyday Americans. Sure. So thanks very much for being on the show. Happy holidays, everybody. Thank you. Thanks again, Jeff. So this has been Jordan Goodman. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.